All right, so we're going to be in Hebrews 4. Uh, go ahead and turn there. We're going to actually be in verse 1 all the way through verse 11. So chapter 4, verse 1 through verse 11. But I want to start with uh, verse 1 and 2. So let me read that in English and then Haiti in Spanish, verse 1 and verse 2. We're going to look at those two verses, then I'm going to give you, okay, here's the big idea, though, as we go through the rest of the passage, but I think understanding verse 1 and verse 2 is important. So first in English. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us, just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. So you guys know that I don't like to go forward without reviewing. And you're like, what is he doing? He just started with chapter 4 and began. He didn't review. And that's because as you look at verse 1, it reviews for us. It says, therefore, okay? Therefore, with all of that in mind that we've been studying, all of that in chapter 3, and specifically, therefore, remembering this picture of these disobedient bodies dead in the wilderness that perished, those that God had been angry with for 40 years that did not finish, that did not make it to the promised land, they did not enter the rest that He had promised. They did not have faith. They did not enter God's promised rest. Therefore. Okay, that's the therefore. That's what's in mind. Now continue in verse 1. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, they didn't enter God's rest. But the promise of God's rest still stands. Okay? And that promise of God's rest still stands for us. So they were disobedient. They didn't realize this promise. They were not faithful, but but God like those two words but God was faithful. Okay, They were not faithful, but God continues to be faithful. And His promise of this rest that they didn't enter, it is still open. And now we, as His family now, we have this promise of rest. And we can enter this rest. And we're in the same position, in the same situation as those who originally heard this letter, this letter to the Hebrews. Okay? We're the exact same. We're looking back at what God has done. We're looking at His story. And we're considering this promise of rest that's still available to us. That they did not realize. And like those who heard this letter, we've been rescued. We've been rescued out of a lifelong slavery to sin. Like those who heard this letter, we're walking now through suffering as we follow Jesus to glory, to this place of rest. This place of rest at the right hand of the Father with Jesus in glory. We're in the same place. This is applicable to us. This same promise is still available. The same promise of rest. 
So let me ask you. Does anyone here feel rested? Anybody rested this morning? Travis is rested. Anybody else rested? Emmanuel was rested. Is anyone resting now? Be careful how you answer that in front of the pastor, right? Linnea says she's resting now. That's coming from a mom of four. Does anyone here desire rest? A few more hands. Does anyone here need rest? What's the difference between desiring rest and needing rest? How are you going to get that rest? And what's going to keep you from that rest? Everybody relates to rest, right? Everybody, whether you raised your hands or not, you probably have a desire for rest and you actually have a need for rest, okay? Rest is something that we all have to deal with. We all have to experience. It's a, it's a need, but it's also a desire. And here he's saying that we have the opportunity, this promise of rest, it still stands. It still stands. We should probably consider what that actually means. And I will admit, as I have processed through this and entering into this, I'm like, what, what is being said here? And what rest are we talking about? And is this physical rest? Is this spiritual rest? What type of rest? This is confusing what we're talking about. I feel so far removed from this, removed from the Israelites, removed from the subservience of the Sabbath, of this day of rest. And I'm not sure how to read this. I have a lot of baggage or I have a lot of ignorance about this. But it says, continuing in the verse, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. The it there is rest. And it's telling us, it's commanding us, it's, it's instructing us because this promise still stands, we should actually fear. Fear. Be afraid. Last week we heard warnings, right? Last week we heard these, these sirens go off, these warnings that should be going off if we've read Hebrews that we can fall away, that we can turn away. And it's saying right here, this promise of rest still stands so... So fear. And I wrestled with that. Fear? Are we supposed to fear? If we're Christians, if we have faith, if by grace we've been saved. And this is telling us to fear. And I think it's an appropriate fear. It's an appropriate biblical response. When we fear, you'll learn in psychology class you have two responses. Either flight or fight. You can run from it or you can go head into it. Whatever it is that you're fearful of or whatever it is that's causing that fear. And as we've read through Hebrews, this danger is real. The warning is real. Uh, we should be 
afraid. There should be a sense of appropriate biblical fear that we have as we read this. And that fear should not lead us to run away. But it should lead us to fight. We said last week to fight for our faith. If we saw the situation accurately, if we saw the reality of our situation, we would fight. And we are encouraged when people fight. Not just in the church, not just in our lives, in the world. When people fight, and I would tell you they fight mostly because of fear. There's this fear in their lives and so they fight. And we, as Emmanuel mentioned, the Olympics began. One night this week, I have no idea what night. And strangely, I haven't watched any, and my wife told me about this story. But there is a Syrian refugee Olympic team. It's a refugee Olympic team. They have no country because they fled their country. And there's just one specific story that she shared with me of this woman. Her name is Yusra Mardini. And she was training to be an Olympic swimmer in Syria. But at 17, she fled because of the enslavement, because of the issues there, right? She left. She, she fled. She came out of the situation. Sound familiar? Okay. She came out of the situation. She decides she's with 20 other individuals who are fleeing, and they're going to flee together to go to a different country, to go to freedom. And they get on a boat that's meant for six people. But there's 20 people on this boat who's going to have to go, that's going to have to go for hours to take them to freedom. And after 20 minutes on the water, the motor, which was built for six people, gives out. Of the 20 people that are on board, only four of those individuals can swim. They're out in the middle of the Mediterranean. What's going to happen? What's the danger? They're going to die. They're going to perish. Okay? They fled this enslavement they were in. They fled Syria, and now they're on the Mediterranean. And if they don't do something, if they don't respond, the real fear, the, the situation is they're going to die. They're going to perish there in the ocean. And only four of them can swim. But one of them is this individual. She's an Olympic-trained swimmer. And so the four of them, one being her sister, gets out of the boat. They, 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 they hold on to the ropes. They're pulling the boat. They're swimming with all their might, pulling the boat along, all four of them, while the other 16 remain in the boat. Because if they don't continue, if they don't, the boat is going to turn. The boat is going to tip over. And what's going to happen? They're going to die. So they could either flee, right? They could flight, they could have this flight response, or they could fight. They could be, oh my God, we're going to die, we're going to die, and everybody's going crazy, and they just die, and actually try and distract themselves while they die, because we're going to die, we're going to die, we're going to die, we're going to die. But instead she, and they fought. They swam for three and a half hours. She said she, she couldn't continue. She didn't know how they continued. They just kept going and kept going. Her body was, was, was gone. She had nothing left, but yet they continued. 
And after three and a half hours, they entered rest. They made it to the shore. Like, wow. That, that's, that's a big deal. Like, that's nuts. That's an incredible story of continuing, an incredible story of fighting. And there was a real fear of death. So they fought. They continued. They pressed on. And we were like, that is amazing that they could press on like that. We're in the same situation. The fear is real. The danger is real. Right? We're not in the middle of the Mediterranean. Okay? It's not imminent. It doesn't feel imminent. But as we read God's Word, it is imminent. We have to continue. We have to fight for faith. We have to push on. We have to respond. We can hear God's Word and we can say, Oh, no! And flee or we can fight. We can fight for faith. And as I read this, we are in a similar situation. A similar situation as the Israelites. A similar situation of that, those refugees that I told you. What are we going to do? How will we respond? And it says that we're to have this fear, and it's a collective fear. It's a fear for me. It's a fear for you. Okay? On that water, uh, she wasn't just fearful for her own life. There was fear for everyone on board. They shared that responsibility. It was an individual and a collective fear. Don't just be fearful for yourself. We're to be fearful for each other. It says, be fearful, lest any of you, any of you, any of us, should not continue, should fail to reach it. We're in a similar place. Our hearts are in a similar condition as their hearts. And so we're in a similar danger to respond without faith. It happened to the Israelites. It can happen to us. But we're to respond to that fear. And as I think about this, uh, this listening, I don't want us to be a people. I don't want us to be a church. I don't want to be an individual who has to learn the hard way. And we've all got stories, right? When, when we heard this word of instruction, when we were warned, Benio said, not me, I'm going to continue on, right? I'm going to do things my way. And as we do things my way, sometimes it can end in destruction, in a terrible situation. If you have kids, you get to see this over and over and over again in real and tangible ways. But we're the same. Proverbs 1, verse 7 says, For the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And so you may be saying, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not scared. We should start there. 
It doesn't mean we remain in this state of fear and we sit still, just overwhelmed. But we should start with fear. Wisdom comes from fearing the Lord and then we would know how to respond. We would know and listen to Him. Let's continue in verse 2. For good news came to us just as to them. Again, we're in the same situation. They had heard the word of God. We have heard the word of God. Remember that Hebrews started with the fact that God had spoken to them at many times in many ways through the prophets, but in these last days, he's spoken to us through his son. They had heard this message. We've heard this message. And that's a privileged place to be that God would speak to us that we've heard the word that we've heard the message that we've heard the gospel that we understand the gospel that we can explain the gospel but having that knowledge we can take that privilege for granted that's what they did they heard the word they didn't respond it says, but the message they heard did not benefit them. The word of God that they heard did not benefit them. So they heard the news, we heard the news. They heard the news, but it did not benefit them. Why? Why did it not benefit them? Why was God's word of no value to them? And why could this word that we've heard and this word that we hear, why could it be of no value to us? Why could it be of no benefit? Look what it says when we continue in verse 2. Because they were not united by faith with those who listened. So the word did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. So get this. They weren't literally mixed together. They weren't united or joined with others by faith. They weren't united with others in faith. Okay? They were out there together, but they weren't believing together, right? They weren't hearing God's word and then responding to God's word together. They were hearing it, but they weren't listening to it, right? It says literally that they were with others, but they were not with others who listened. Remember, as we talked about God's word, we can hear God's word, but we have to listen to God's word. And here it's saying, they didn't make it. If the word was of no benefit because they didn't listen to it. They weren't with others who had faith in God's word. And they were not united in that. And when I think about us and what we're bound by, what joins us, what unites us, that we're bound together through and for the gospel, right? The word becomes flesh. God's word, that's been spoken through Jesus Christ. That's what unites us, that we would believe that, and we would listen to that, and listening to that, we would respond to that. That's what it would be to be united by faith. And it's not that we're united with those who have heard. 
It's that we're united with those who listen. It's not that we're actually, or that we're with those who hear the word, who study the word, who know the word, who memorize the word. It's we're united with those who listen, who by faith believe the word and respond. They listen to the word. They were united together in that. We have to be joined with those who are listening so we can respond in faith. And so ask yourself, are you joined with each other? And what are you joined by? We should be joined by our faith. And our faith is in the Word of God. We believe the Word of God. We trust the Word of God. And we're going to respond to the Word of God. We're listening together. And my desire for Living Stones is that here you could find and we would be found to be a family united by faith. We would be listening and responding to God's Word together. And I will tell you that the listening and the responding to God's Word primarily happens outside of this moment. It primarily has to happen outside of Sunday morning. Okay? This is not the time that you come and we listen and we respond to God's Word. It's a part of it. Okay? But we are to be, how often? Encouraging each other daily. Encouraging each other with the Word. Listening to the Word. Responding to the Word. That happens outside of this time. You cannot depend on this time to hear and listen and respond to the Word. It has to be regular. It has to be consistent. And it's us together as we share the Word with each other. Because if we don't do that, we won't receive the benefit. They heard the Word, but there was no benefit. If we don't listen and respond to the Word in faith, there won't be a benefit. And the benefit here is rest. Okay? I just did a big circle, a big background, so that we could get to what this passage is talking about. We've heard the word, they've heard the word. They didn't listen to the word. If we listen to the word and respond by faith, then we will receive its benefit. They didn't receive its benefit. What's the benefit? The benefit is rest. Everybody here before said you wanted, needed, desired rest, right? If you don't want rest, don't need rest, don't desire rest, you can leave. But if you need or desire rest, stay, because that's what this is going to describe to us. If we continue by faith, listening to the Word of God together, then we will receive its benefit, and that benefit is rest. It's rest now, it's rest later. And that rest will come from the Word, through the Word. So let me read the rest of the passage and then we will look at those two types of rest. And I want us to listen to this. Listen to this now with that background, with that understanding to God's word which proclaims this truth about his rest that he shares with us. I'll read verse 3 through 11. For we who have believed enter that rest. As he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. 
And again, in the passage, he said, they shall not enter my rest. Verse 6, since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again he appoints a certain day, today, saying through David so long afterwards in the words already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. That's a lot of passages. A lot of words, a lot of references, back to the Old Testament, back to the Hebrews. But I want to try and summarize it. And this is the big idea. Verse 1 and 2, united by faith in the gospel, right? If we're joined together, listening to the word and responding to the word, then we have, then the benefit is rest. This preserving rest, or persevering rest, and this joyful rest. One's in the present, this rest that enables us to persevere. The other is in the future, this rest that is full of joy, full of celebration. Okay? So it's together by faith that we get to experience the benefit, and the benefit is rest. So the first is for now, the first is for the present. Look at verse 3. For we who have believed enter that rest. We who have believed currently enter. We move into this promise. It says, We have this rest now. Okay? There's an experience of this rest now. The same promise of rest that we saw for the Israelites, this is the promise that we are experiencing now. And the author is continuing with this same illustration from Psalm 95. As we look at the Israelites, we consider how they responded as they went through the desert, as they continued and did not listen, as they continued and did not have faith. As he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. They didn't enter the rest because they didn't believe. But we can enter this rest. We who have believed his word, we can now enter this rest that they didn't enter. What are we talking about? What kind of rest are you talking about, Brit? It's his rest. God's rest. That's the rest that it's describing that we can enter. Let me continue on. Stick with me. Hopefully this will make sense. Although his works were in the passage, still in the passage, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, verse 4, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. So we're going to enter into His rest. This is something we enter into now. something that's present as we continue by faith. And the question is, what rest does that mean in the context? We, we know that's a reference to Genesis 2. God created for six days, and on the seventh day, He rested. He rested from His work. It's also a reference to Exodus 31, 17. It, this Sabbath rest, will be a sign between me and the Israelites forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested 
and was refreshed. There's a pattern of rest. And God initiated this. Okay, God's the one that initiated and created rest. He began this. He initiated this. And now we're to follow him. If we're going to enter into his rest, then we're going to have that same pattern of rest in our lives. We're going to be resting and refreshing. But that's going to come through the word. Okay? Our rest currently is going to come through the Word. We take a break from life. Right? We work, work, work. We continue, continue, continue. We fight by faith. We fight by faith. We have to stop and rest. Not on the bed. Okay? Not at the beach. Those things are helpful. Those things are needed. But we have to find rest in God's Word. Okay? They didn't listen to His Word. And they didn't enter His rest. We have to listen to His Word and we'll find rest. Our issue. My issue. Is it frequently? I don't see being in God's Word as rest. I see it, you see it as work. This is something that I have to do. This is something that I need to do. I've got to stop. I've got to put in the time. I've got to make myself get in the Word. And God's saying, being in my Word, listening to my Word, responding to my Word, you'll have rest. It's not work. It's rest. We can be refreshed by it. Spend 30 minutes in God's Word or spend 30 minutes online at the website of your choice and see which one leaves you refreshed and which one leaves you rested. Sleep 30 minutes longer or get up and spend time resting in God's Word and see through your day if you feel more rested by sleeping 30 minutes longer and I'm just using okay, 30 minutes is arbitrary, okay? But sleep or get up and read, the God, read God's Word and rest in it. See which one feels better. See which one actually makes you feel more rested that so you could experience that rest. We are refreshed in and through His Word so that we can continue to fight for our faith. We have to be rested in His Word so that we can preserve, so that we can continue. And that's the rhythm that we should demonstrate. And that's our problem, guys. That is a shared problem that we have, is actually spend time in and rest in the Word. Over and over and over and over. When someone is struggling with difficulties and issues, and we're all going to have difficulties and issues, the first thing I says, well, are you, where are you in the Word? Are you spending time with God? Are you... 90% of the time? No. We don't think it's important. We don't see the danger. We, 
I'll just continue on. I don't need to be in the Word. I'll just continue on. I'll just press on myself. I don't need to rest in God's Word. And if we do that, then we're headed to destruction. If we do that, then our hearts are going to become hard. And we're going to turn away. The only way to continue by faith is to continue in the Word and listen to the Word and respond to the Word. Before we address any other issues, we need to address that issue. So how do you view spending time in God's Word? Does it work? Or is it rest? I want us to believe that it's rest. Because the Israelites, they didn't persevere. They didn't enter this rest because they were stubborn and they would not listen to His Word. They heard the message, we heard the message. They were stubborn, they wouldn't listen, so they didn't finish. Let me read verse 5 through 7. And again in this passage he said, They shall not enter my rest, since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Again he appoints a certain day, today, saying through David, and so long afterward, in the words already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Some of you might think, well, I'm in the Word, and I don't feel rest. I'm, I'm listening to it, or I'm hearing the Word. And my next question is, well, are you being obedient to the Word? Are you responding to the Word? Because they heard this Word, they received this Word, but they were disobedient, as it says. And I will tell you that you will not have rest. If you're disobedient to the word, you won't have rest. You won't experience that rest. You can hear the word, but if you don't respond and obey the word, you won't have rest. Disobedience to his word actually ensures restlessness. It actually ensures that you're going to be worn out, tired, fatigued, can't press on. I think it's actually even worse to be in the Word, hearing the Word, but not listening and responding to the Word. I think you're going to feel more exhausted, more tired, more restless. Because you see this and you hear this, but you don't respond to it. We have to be obedient to the Word. Because this promise of rest still stands today. And it says, today, this is our opportunity to listen to God's Word and respond by faith. Because if we continue in disobedience, we'll fail to enter that rest. You won't experience rest. Faith is the opposite of disobedience. Faith is believing the Word of God and responding to it because it's true. Regardless of how you feel, regardless of what you think, regardless of the situation, this is God's word to me. I'm going to listen to it. I'm going to believe it. And so I'm going to respond to it. And I'm going to be obedient to it. And disobedience is hearing the word of God and responding contrary to it. Or as I said, hearing the word of God and not responding at all. Not responding is disobedience. We have to listen and obey 
the word regularly, consistently with others who have faith or our hearts will grow hard, will become stubborn. And there is a sense of urgency in this passage, right? There's warning that we've had before, the warning continues, and now there's a sense of urgency. It's like, as long as it's called today, there's going to be a day coming, and as long as it's called today, we have the opportunity to respond, listen to the word, and respond in faith. Right now, we have the opportunity, as long as it's called today, as long as we have this moment, to respond. You have that opportunity. I have that opportunity. We still have this promise. We can enter into this rest. All we have to do is continue with each other by faith. And it doesn't say how often, how frequent, how long. I wish it did, because then I could check it off and I could just feel confident in my abilities and myself. I wish it said, spend 15 minutes, spend 30 minutes, spend time in the Word this much each day, this much twice a day, this much once a week. It doesn't say that. But do you need rest? Do you desire rest? How often do you feel that you need rest and desire rest? It's pretty regular for me, okay? It's more than daily for me that I need rest, that I desire rest. I mean, if you're going to be honest with me, everyone here said you need or desired rest, that we should be resting in the Word right now. And we are, if we listen and obey. As I finish... We persevere in this rest. We continue in this rest. We're united by faith. And then one day, okay? That's today. Today we hear His word. Today we listen. Today we respond by faith together. And one day, this day in the future, a day still yet to come, as we continue, we're going to enter this joyful rest. Not a persevering rest, but a joyful rest. Verse 8, For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. We have rest now. We can have that rest through the Word. And there's clearly a future rest that is to come. Another day later on. And these words, as it's saying, they were spoken by David, okay? David was king of Israel while Israel had been established in the promised land, okay? They had actually made it to the promised land. Israel was there, and David speaking these words after they had already entered the promised land, right? The Israelites died in the desert. They didn't make it to the promised land. Now they've made it to the promised land, and David is still saying there's going to be another day of rest. Okay, it's beyond the promised land. It's beyond Canaan. So, verse 9. So then, there remains, there's still to come, a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. There remains a Sabbath rest. It's been talking about rest, 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 one type of word, one Greek word behind that. This is a new word, okay? We have this rest. We've entered this rest. Now there's this Sabbath rest, this amazing rest, this rest that we desire, this rest that, that we all long for. And one day in a day to come, as we continue by faith, we're going to enter that rest. 
this future rest that God has promised for us, this rest that we ultimately want, this satisfying rest. It literally means a festive rest. And I've been thinking about that. Because usually when I try and have a good time, when I try and rest, try and go do something fun, I'm exhausted after. Right? It's a lot of work to go rest. It's a lot of work to go enjoy something. Okay? I just went camping for a few days. I'm exhausted from camping, from resting. It didn't feel very restful. It was enjoyable. It was fun. It was festive, but I'm exhausted. We don't typically experience both, rest and enjoyment, rest and satisfaction. Either I'm resting and you're out, right, you're asleep, and you get up and continue, right? They're not combined. But I have had a couple of times that I can think of where I have left feeling like, wow, that was festive, that was good, that was a celebration, and yet I'm still rested. And specifically, it's when I've gone to someone else's party. When someone else throws a party, and, and it's a good party, right? All right. You go, and what do you do? You just show up. It's their party, they're throwing it. And you walk in and it's this beautiful home and, and the home is clean and the home is, pre they're presenting everything. You walk in, they welcome you and they greet you and like, how are you doing? And, and there are these people that you feel completely comfortable with, okay? It's not one of those awkward parties where you're standing there and you don't really, really talk to anyone and you don't know anyone. You know everyone, okay? And you just engage with them and you're talking with them. And then somebody comes around with a tray. Would you like an hors d'oeuvre? Would you like something, you know, a starter, snack, chips, a drink? I'll get something for you. And you continue to talk, you're enjoying yourself, and then someone brings the food. The food's out, the food's ready, the food's been prepared. Just come and delight in the food, come and enjoy the food. I'm like, this is it? Like, I don't need to help? I don't need to work for this? I'm just going to receive this? Everything is centered around me. And my enjoyment. The host is running around. The host is doing all the work. The host has made all the preparations. And I get to go there, be there, and enjoy it and celebrate. And I get to rest. I don't go home exhausted and needing more rest. That's the rest one day we're going to enter into. We looked at Isaiah 55, right? He's invited us to this banquet. He said, come and enjoy me as I enjoy you. We're going to delight together. He has made all the preparations. He has done all the work. We just have to come. We just have to continue by faith. And one day we're going to enter into that rest. There's going to be celebration. It's going to be festive. There's going to be enjoyable. We're going to be completely satisfied. And yet we're going to feel fully rested. And we just keep enjoying, keep being satisfied, and I don't need to rest from it. You just continue on. It's this eternal rest, eternal satisfaction, eternal enjoying the host. That's the rest that we're going to enter into. We won't experience that right now. 
But that's what God's Word says. And if we believe God's Word and we respond to God's Word, listening to it, then we'll continue. And we'll continue now with this persevering rest as we go to His Word and we continue to fight by faith. And we go to His Word and we continue to fight by faith, knowing that one day it's going to be done. One day we're going to be completely satisfied and completely rested. We can enter His rest. United by faith. We have preserving rest now. And we'll have his joyful rest in the future. Verse 11, let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Do you have rest now? As I've studied this, I have felt so unrested. Realizing my state of restlessness. I have been convicted by this. It's hard for me to share this. I, I'm still processing through this. It's hard to communicate. Because I realize my restlessness. I need you. Right? We need each other. We need to be united by faith with those who will listen. Those who will listen to God's word. Those that we can rest with. And those that we can enter that ultimate final rest with. And we do that by listening and responding to his word together. Let me pray. Father God, I pray that, that you were honored this morning. As we try to consider your word, as we uh, think about listening to your word. And Lord, I just confess even my own frustration. My frustration with this passage, with with having to teach it. I confess that that's my, and has been my attitude. God, would you forgive me for not listening? Would you forgive me for not responding? Lord, I can claim confusion. I can claim that it's a, a difficult passage. But the issue is my heart. God, would you help us to put down whatever excuses that we have? Why we don't go to your word? I've tried it. Nothing happens. I don't have time. I need to rest. I need to sleep. I need to 
go sit somewhere and do nothing. God, would you help us to believe that the benefit of your word is rest, that that promise is still available, that still stands, that we can continue to fight by faith and have rest, and that from that rest we can continue to fight by faith until one day, Lord, we enter your eternal rest. God, would you give us faith? Would you encourage us? Would you strengthen us? Would we together encourage one another according to your word? God, help us to continue on. And help us to run to you, to run to your word, that we might find rest. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.